We are really excited to introduce our new podcast to you, From Uniforms to Unicorns. We're your hosts, Lauren and Sharon. Two friends, moms, business owners who happen to be in prison. Grab a coffee, head out on your walk, or just take a break. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Jared and I just had like the biggest laughing fit, and it took us like 15 minutes to just start this bloody thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> just we're just talking about like all the things we want to talk about today and then Sharon is I'm like okay but when you hold up the timer to me Sharon I don't know what that means <laughs> like we Sharon and I can see each other on like zoom um and this has nothing to do with that, what's happening today but whatever here we go here um we go. she I can see her on zoom and she times us and she'll hold up the timer and I'm like, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know what word. So today we had a little powwow before this saying like, hey, by the way, um, we're, we're going for about a 45 uh, minute, 50 minute podcast. So I know when to shut my mouth and kind of wrap it up. But mm -hmm. there you go. But, so today um, we had someone ask us, uh, what were three things you wish you know, knew? before you started in corrections. And I think this is a, a good topic, right? Because yeah. I, I, I don't know if we'll have uh, three or 35 because totally. <laughs> we totally. were talking. But I mean, if you are a corrections officer, it's likely that you didn't know these things or you did know these things. I know lots of corrections officers that were brought up in families that um, had corrections officers. I didn't have anybody in my life no, that was a corrections officer. So they were like, I knew what I was getting into. I had a really good idea. But I mean, when you think about real life and you think about all the things happening, it's constantly changing. So mm -hmm. what you believe to know, what Sharon and I believe to know um, from 2010 to whatever, 2004 to 2014, and that 10-year time span is very different from what people know it as today. And I um, I know that we're getting better with the mental health stuff. We're focusing more on, on training people on their mental health and their self-care and all of that stuff. I know that personally because I, I do stuff with first responders and lots of people that are only a couple years in are like, oh, you know, I have this resource or, oh, I know of this sort of thing. Whereas back in the day, like Sharon and I knew, we knew about EAP. And yeah. I think that was our only resource. Bare, barely too, right? We didn't. Barely. And it, like there wasn't shows back then that we could say, oh, I do that. Or you recognize yourself in TV programs or anything. You just, right. and when we got in, it wasn't even called a correctional officer. So we didn't know until really you, realistically you get to the training. And it's a good point because I did meet people who lived in a small town and their their dad was a correctional officer and their grandfather was a like that they knew what they wanted to do and I was like okay okay yeah <laughs> I can do this I can like I remember yeah. like like prepping myself every day to say you got this Lauren even yeah. though in the back of my head I was like you do not got this like you're <laughs> gonna get killed <laughs> but you're gonna go down fighting so yeah stick with you're gonna, that was <laughs> totally you're gonna act like you know what you're doing right oh yeah that's exactly it and I mean <laughs> fake it till you make it is the yeah saying, right and it's like okay let's just pray I don't have to do any of these things um, totally. that they're teaching me but uh yeah the mental health stuff has gotten significantly better we have tons more resources we have um a lot of things that are initiatives and nonprofits. And for me, like I'm entrenched in it because I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I follow people who, you know, were police officers who are now writing, you know, books about PTSD. I follow um, a, a paramedic. If you don't follow him, actually, uh, he runs a podcast called Up Talk. His name is Sean Conahan. I'm, I'm totally just pulling shit out of the top of my head right now. It's because okay. I'm, like, I'm going gonna, gonna to plug it because he's awesome. He, um, 
he's an incredible podcaster and he uh, was a paramedic and he talks about owning your growth. So, you know, and he has people on that podcast that have been through significant things and talks Mm -hmm. about what they've done going forward. He talks about their experience. So be advised. He does give um, like a trigger warning at the beginning. So be advised if you, if you feel like you are triggered, but he's had RCMP, he's had fire. He had a corrections officer um, who was taken hostage which is like an incredible story. He has an incredible story. His wife is also amazing. Um, I've gotten to know her quite well. So if you are interested in this sorts of things, and he has tons of resources, he works with psychologists and um, it's a really good place to start if you're looking for um, mental health stuff, if you are in corrections or any sort of first responder role. And, you're, and you know what, this is the thing, you might not need it today, you might not need it tomorrow. I guarantee you, you will need something in this realm at some point in your career or mm-hmm. someone very close to you will need something like this. So it's always nice to have those resources in your back pocket to say, Hey, I know about this podcast or Hey, totally. you know, uh, I, I heard Lauren say something about Sean and then you can go on my Instagram and find him or whatever. Um, I just know that it's, it's always great to not feel like you're alone. Right. So yeah. And you could watch, you could watch out for your friends. So a lot of times, if the two of you are in uh, incident together, what maybe you don't feel affected, but you start to notice uh, your buddy is like not doing well. So again, if, if you're not feeling it for whatever reason, and they are like, it's, it's awesome to have resources out there. Mm-hmm. So it's been good. So Lauren, what are three things you wish you knew before getting into corrections? Oh, just mostly the mental health stuff. I wish that yeah. I wish that I knew um, about stress because I actually didn't realize how I thrived so much in stress. Like yeah. outside of stress, I don't. I didn't know how to come down. I didn't know how to unstress. I mean, like I would go to yoga or Pilates or something like that. But I mean. I actually don't even remember having my brain ever shut off other than sleeping. If I could fall asleep mm-hmm. for any amount of time, I, you know, even when uh, my husband and I went to Australia for six weeks in 2009 and I remember at about week four, I started to feel like, okay, I can relax. Yeah. But I mean, four weeks, that's what, like 28 days to come yeah. down from, but then it was almost like a week of relaxation. And then it was like, okay, I got to get back into this mode. I have to be able to, I remember my shoulders were always like crazy tense, like crazy mm-hmm. tense. I would have massages and I, I had a massage in Calgary one time with this guy and he was like, do you, do you know how hostile your muscles are? And he was like this crazy little monkey who like climbed on me and had these like balls wrapped in tape and was like, oh my God, he's like, I've never seen anybody this tense but I thrived in stress and I didn't know how to come down from that a lot of times. So um, if you don't know this, I was diagnosed with cancer almost three years ago uh, to the day. And a lot of it, and my doctor would always say to me when I would go in and talk to him, he's like, Lauren, you have to find ways to relieve your stress. And I'm just like, I don't even know what that means. Like mm-hmm. alcohol, does that work? Do, yeah. you have a, do you have a pill for this? Like I, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. And he would say, you know, like meditation. And I'm like, what? I'm not doing that. That doesn't work. <laughs> I, I, still to this day, I can maybe, I'm, I'm, I work on it very hard, but I can only maybe meditate for three minutes. I'm yeah. trying to get to 10, but I mean, my brain, either trauma, stress induced, whatever, it doesn't work. Yeah, and I know lots longer. of people in this field that, you know, it's like, if you could just meditate for 10 minutes a day, you, you have no idea how beneficial that is to decreasing stress in your body, increasing um, serotonin, decreasing cortisol, like all those sorts of crazy things that help deal with stress. There's actually a really good uh, person who's a good resource. Um, I need to look it up. Andy Clark, 911. Oh, she's going to be so happy. I mentioned her on here. And Andy Clark, we're friends, but like, what's her, it's like nine one one 
stress. She's Canadian. Um, she works with first responders. Uh, it's 911 Lifestyle by Andy Clark. She's a really good resource at Health and Wellness. So she talks a lot about stress um, and sleep and all these, how to reset your body and uh, the biomes and all this crazy stuff that I know nothing about. So I shouldn't even be watching her <laughs> company. <laughs> like, just go to Andy's page. Just go to Andy's page because she totally is incredible. Um, but I wish I would have known what stress does to your body. And I mm-hmm. wish um, I would have had those resources or something along the line, like even in training, like give us a week of like, you know, I don't know, meditation or, or yeah. um, like something like that to be able to get yourself realigned, right? Like I always felt off kilter. I always felt like if I start to go back, something bad will happen and then I'll, I'll struggle again. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I just stay here, then, and, and then I ended up with cancer and the doctor was literally like, so we don't have this in your family. We don't, you know, like this is stress induced. And I, I, I don't want you to put, you know, carry this around with you forever. It's over. It's done with. Um, but it is very much stress induced cancer. Uh, and I, and I'm not saying this for every cancer or everybody's cancer. Mine was very much stress induced from what the doctor believed. And it was interesting because, um, (laughs) this is a funny story. I got diagnosed with cancer, uh, and I had to go see the surgeon. So the day that I had to see the surgeon, my husband again had court, like seriously, if you, if you need to depend on a person, don't marry a police officer. That's my advice <laughs> to you. Uh, so the queen and uh, our other body, uh, other buddy, Shauna, that they decided that they were going to meet me at the surgeon's office. And um, this was going to be a fun little outing for the three of us. So we actually came uniformed from work. And, uh, <laughs> I think they thought, oh, wow, we, this woman is being escorted by two <laughs> officers and the, the surgeon's little buddy was like, oh, you can all come in. And I was like, no, that's okay. And he's, and they were like, nope. So they stood up and come in, they come in the room with me and they're asking all these questions. And here is where it gets interesting because we're, you, you block out certain things in your mind that have mm-hmm. happened to you or. Uh, yep. And I think that's, I think that's huge too. Like knowing how to unpack those things. We did not know how to unpack those things without alcohol and dark humor, like any yep. of that stuff. It was never unpacked. We just carried it around. It was compounded stress. So anyways, in this, uh, in this meeting with the surgeon, um, they say, Oh, you know, do you smoke? And I say, no. And Shauna goes, yes, she does. She, she smokes. She does smoke. At Big Valley, she smokes a Big Valley Jamboree. Shut up, shut up. I'm like, I smoke one weekend a year. Okay, did I used to smoke? That's not the question you asked me. Then it was something, oh, do you drink? And I'm like, well, of course I drink. Like I have a, like, not like I used to, but like, whatever. So then Shauna's like, oh yeah, Big Valley. So then he says um, something about, oh, have you had any, significant lung problems and I'm like nope and right away both of them Shauna and the queen are like what about that fire that we were in and yeah. I was like oh my gosh you too seriously and the guy the the doctor and the doctor's like assistant were like I just want to hang out with the three of you for like yeah. a day because he's like tell me about the fire and then they start telling and he's like oh so you all work together and we were like yeah I I'm yes. like, I just work there I don't work there anymore but it was so funny because he started asking these questions and I mean if they wouldn't have been there I would have been like no no good yeah I don't I'm fine yeah yeah and I, I, I wasn't fine like after that fire I ran into a fire and this is a good story that I won't tell because the person who was with me I want to tell the story too, but, um, it was, uh, big Valley Jamboree and we ended up coming back from an escort late and we ended up responding to a fire on the security unit. And I had such bad smoke inhalation and I was so mad that we were late and we ended up going to this fire that I just literally got in my car and drove to big Valley. Like I was packed. 
ready to go. <laughs> I was in the hospital, you guys, three times because oh. of how bad the smoke inhalation I received was. And the first time I went to the hospital, of course, I got to Big Valley. I'd had a few drinks and they're like, do you smoke like a ton of cigarettes? And I was like, yes, only at Big Valley I do. And they were like, no, this. And I'm like, oh, I was in a fire today. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was on like oxygen, Ventolin, and then I was like, okay, I'm good. Go back out to Big Valley. Nope, not good. Still can't breathe. Back to the hospital oh, I go. No. So, I mean, I, I, wish I, I wish I knew how to take better care of myself um, mentally, physically. Physically. And, emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, and I, I wish that I would know how to unpack a lot of the things because so much of what I did and so much of the, the, the stress that I carried at work was so much about like, just move on, just move on. Don't. And, and like Sharon, you and I have talked about this. We, Mm -hmm. we did never shared that we were having any sort of issue like ever. And I I don't know, I know mine was fairly significant until we left the prison and was like, Oh, I was going through this. Oh shit. Well, I was going through this. We never talked about it at work. No. It's like we, everybody that we knew at the time was so high functioning, right? That people mm-hmm. were suffering and some people suffered so badly, like they, they were leaving, right? And right. we didn't, we didn't know or recognize because we didn't have, I don't know, like any resources to help us to say, right. oh, our buddy is not doing well because I see all this stuff going on and I'm with you. Like, I also wish I knew how damaging like the career would be to my mental health and some of the coping things. Like, cause I, you're, I'm like you, I just pile it on. I could take it. I could take it. And some of the self care too. It's like, well, do you have to be a hippie to meditate? And I meditate mm. daily and I go so far as I use crystals, but it helps me. Mm-hmm. And you know, journaling and writing. And sometimes you feel like those are for hippies. So that's yeah. not for us, right? It's true. <laughs> when I first started doing some of this work, I was like, fuck, if the people at work could see me now. Right? I totally we, think that. And we, like, we would have these crit, like incidents and then have a critical incident meeting, like after, but it turned yeah. into, instead of helping us, it was more like, this is what went wrong. Yeah. You could have done this. It was like that armchair critic of what you could have done better, mm-hmm. but nobody said, how's everyone doing? Right. Like, how, how are you doing? And I remember a few incidents, there were people like rookies like crying and I was kind of like, what, what's wrong with them? Like, and then I was like, well, how come I'm not, cr- I don't feel anything. Like, is that, is that wrong? Cause I feel nothing. And then like, it'd be, big things, hostage shakings. It would be a lot of shit. And I would literally feel nothing, which I recognize now that was, that's Your a mechanism. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the coping mechanism you use. And I'm the same way. I would be like, I, I wouldn't. And here's the thing for me. I think it was like mine and I've done a lot of work around this. Mine always stemmed from the helplessness. Like the fact that I was helpless mm-hmm. in some of these instances or um, that I felt, and, and maybe I wasn't helpless. I mean, that's just how I felt. And I carried right. a lot of that like baggage with me going forward. And you, you, you do that to yourself. You criticize, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I could have done that. Oh, if I didn't call in. I remember when I, there was a day I was super sick and we were told like when we started, you do not call in sick. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't care if you're dying, you come to work, right? Like <laughs> we'll put you in a control post you would die in there. Like that's how, how, and I remember I was so sick and I'd called in and something happened that night. And I remember like just feeling so much guilt, like, Oh, if I would have been there, maybe things would have, like, not that I think I'm like the end all be all of corrections officers, <laughs> but I mean, were they short? Did someone get ordered with someone like super tired? Like just all of these things that you put on yourself that you carry around. Oh, did I forget to do? And we've talked about this on the podcast before. So, I mean, like you, you have these thoughts that you can't escape and, um, 
and then you just keep compounding them on top of each other. And then eventually you decide. And for, for us, Sharon, I know, uh, is mine was just like, Oh, just keep distracting. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and a lot of like, I, and I've done a work around this too. It's like a lot of it was like on my days off, it was like spending money, drinking totally. alcohol, uh-huh. um, connecting with other first responders or like corrections officers. We were, we were always together. So when you're ingrained in that culture, it's like when my, I told my mom, I remember one night this, I tell my mom, yeah, no, I, I'm okay. I took some Benadryl last night and then I drank <laughs> some wine. And then she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, mom, that's what everybody does. Like, this is like a conversation we had in like our briefing room. What do you yeah. mean people don't do that? Yes, they do. Yeah. Maybe you don't do that, mom, but like people do that. And she's just like, oh my God. Like, cause she was scared for me to do this in the first place. And then yeah. she sees my mental health deteriorating going, oh, Lauren, I don't think this is okay. What's going on? I know. And mine, yes. mine was uh, Neocitrin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that NyQuil. And then I would put on uh, after midnight shifts, um, cold case files or something like that. And just blissfully fall asleep to somebody, you know, getting murdered and them not being able to solve the crime and then wake up and get my uniform off the floor and do it all over again. Yes. So crazy. So I remember for a while they took Neocitrin off the, yes, to ask for it. Yeah. And I'm like, what do I have to ask for it for? I'm sick, right? <laughs> Just give me my, four boxes. So I, I need my juice. <laughs> give me my juice. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, but, and that's the thing too. I wish I would have, um, I remember when my when we moved to Camrose, I first the first thing I said was we have to remember that we can't just hang out with cops. Like that yeah. was like we have to have they they huh? actually say that. They say yes. that in, in training. Do not just associate with each other, but what's the first thing you do is yes. you just because nobody else has a Tuesday during the week off. So you're like, hey, you guys want to go do this thing and everybody's off, so everybody says yes. 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 Let's go. And we were all young and we were all, you know, wanting to do stuff and Mm -hmm. no one else was off or around us or like K days on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, Right. The fringe, the fringe on a Tuesday. Let's go. (laughs) Right. It was, it was so fun, but then you start to lose the, like your relationships, like around you. I remember uh, one relationship, uh, someone that was listening told me, you describe your things as this relationship fell apart and this relationship fell apart. I said, yeah, because I don't remember 2004 or whatever, but I just remember a relationship falling apart. And I was like, well, I'm going to the fringe with B tonight. I don't really care. Like I, that's what was important to me. Right. Right. Uh, my people. So, uh, one of the ways that I cope in life always is, uh, through sports. Mm -hmm. So, a friend, a friend, Lou, and I started uh, the Dirty Birds, the infamous Dirty Birds, and uh, oh we, god, oh god, right? And we I still have my Dirty Bird jacket. I gotta uh, pull it out. <laughs> I know. I we still got hoodies, and it was so much fun. But we recruited lots of people from the jail who could play or not play. So we did soccer, ball hockey, and basketball, and it was so much fun. And we used that kind of to cope right with yeah. some of the stuff going on but it was a bunch of mostly correction 80 percent correctional officers and there would be like bench brawls there would be a lot of stuff no, going here on. here's my dirty bird story <laughs> i get accosted on the security and i remember the mo i remember the moment all of this went down I'm pretty sure I had just lit a cigarette. They'd gone into the yard. You come over, want to play on our, our ball hockey team. I'm like, I know nothing about ball hockey. No, 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 it's okay. You don't have to. It's just for fun. We just play for fun. So I'm like, okay. But, but you have to call in sick next Thursday and next Friday. I'm like, what? So yeah, or take an FRL, family-related leave or whatever. Leave. And, and no one can know. Yeah. You have to discreetly do this shit so that nobody knows you're part of the team and I'm like okay I'm in and I remember my boyfriend had come from Winnipeg this was like the first time I ever played with the Dirty Birds so I'm like okay we're gonna 
he was coming and I was like, Kate, you can come watch us. So he came and watched us. I was almost killed. <laughs> like, like, like if you want to train to be a corrections officer, play ball hockey with a bunch of women. It is ruthless shit. Like, I am, t- I am telling you, it is insane. I, I, I remember we got off and we were all walking out. I can like see it. And my boyfriend was like, okay, you know, whatever, are we going? And I was like, no, uh, apparently we're going to fight these people in the parking lot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my boyfriend was like, what? <laughs> like, didn't you guys get enough on the field? I'm like, no, apparently there's a fight in the parking lot. I'll meet you at the car. He was like, you're not fighting people in a parking lot. I'm like, yeah, we're fighting. <laughs> the infamous like playoff runs, and there'd be like seven people calling in sick or yes, uh, taking yeah personal leave, and or we're, calling like, and like asking people to stay late to stay hours. later. We're we're in a shootout. Can you just stay an extra hour? Because uh, yeah, we'd be in yeah playoff. It was so much fun, but it was quite yeah intense. Like that's what I kind of did. I accosted another <laughs> officer, and I'm like. Hey, uh, could you play net? She's like, pardon? I've never done that before. And I took pads from the goalie pads and stuff from the institution, actually strapped them to her. And I'm like, here you go. And we played this team of like, like hockey player, like actual hockey players. And she just got pelted. And I'm like, how do you like ball hockey? I remember the bruises like on my legs and we'd all be like showing everybody like look at all the bruises. I only played for like probably half a season but I mean I played and then I played on the basketball team after Mm -hmm. that because I was like I'm much better at basketball than I am (laughs) thinking it would be less aggressive but it it was not. It was for sure about the same. (laughs) It was like competitive and we'd show up and there'd be five of us and we're like okay and like Tammy and I would just be like I guess we're gonna play the whole game we got to play the whole game that was the soccer team too so I guess we're playing the whole game and it's like yep let's see I'll I'll see who else I can recruit from work right (laughs) oh man and it was fun like I I mean and it it did create camaraderie outside of work And it was like exercise, like all of those things you don't, when you're a shift worker and even as the wife of a shift worker, my friends Mm -hmm. are like, oh, we're signing up for this yoga. And I'm like, I have two young kids. I would have to get a babysitter for one hour on a Thursday night. Like my husband works, you know, and it's always at six. My husband gets off at seven. So, I mean, can we do it at seven 30 when he gets (laughs) off and I don't have to get, but the shift is seven to seven. So it always is like, well, that doesn't work this week, next week, the week after <laughs> the week. At, oh, maybe the three weeks after that. Yeah. But I mean, yep. so you can't sign up for things like that because you're constantly, I, I felt stressed about it. Not, yeah. but like that's was, right. me and the queen had signed up for Pilates. I remember when she was pregnant, we were, we were going to Pilates and I remember it being so stressful to try yeah. and make this class you paid all this money for. So you just stop doing it. You finally just give up. And I think that happens to a lot of shift workers and first responders. You think, oh, I'm active enough at work. Like when we would go through the houses, I would easily in a, in a 12 hour shift, get 15,000 steps. Yeah. We count our steps and figure that out. But yeah, you just, you start to think, well, I'm, I'm active at work. I'll just drink more water. (laughs) I'll figure this out. But it's like, you're not. I don't, yeah, it's just all damaging to mm-hmm. your mental health and your psyche all the way and your physical s- state too, right? Yes. So all through your, even though you're tr- you're looking at things to do that are uh, more positive. That- yes, but you're, lo- <laughs> and, but you're looking at other people around you too, to be like, okay, what are these guys? Like, what do these people do? Yeah, and- for sure you are like, oh, they don't do anything. Well, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And some, some of the people like who are in now, they, they've got just such a a different mentality when they think of it, they uh, get through the gate, they punch their clock, they put on a mask, they do their job, and they leave it all there, which is commendable, right? Like, not everyone can do that. And they've got great 
people outside, not that I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't have good people, but I was uh, living in Edmonton, right? And I was away from all of my family. My best friend uh, is in Calgary too. And some of that stuff. So then you start, your friends are your uh, workmates, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a, and there's this thing that I learned um, recently uh, from Mike, he runs OSI Can, and he talked about sanctuary trauma. And I was like, okay. And that's kind of like cultural trauma, like the things that you get entrenched in, in an institution, right? And the things that you, like I talked about, things that you believe are normal, that normal people are doing these because the only experience you have is from these other people around you because you do get so entrenched. And I've seen totally. this so much in the first responder world. You get so entrenched in this, like your relationships are there, your, um, you know, everything you do is you work out there, you eat there, your friends are there, your job is there. So, and then you see people get um, operational stress injuries and then they can't unattach from that sort of because they, because their whole life is there. So I think totally. what we're doing better now is we're teaching people like, this is your job, right? And mm -hmm. when you leave your job, like everybody else leaves your job, you need to find a way to cope and to be able to disconnect and totally. say, now I'm at home, now I'm with the kids. Like I, I know like my poor children, their mom was a corrections officer, their dad's a police officer. Like one of the sayings in our house forever was like, we don't raise inmates here. Like that yeah. is <laughs> say in our, and I'm thinking my poor, like, most people don't even know what inmates are at yeah. four years old, but like it, it was very much just like, just so closed off. And I know like you said, like journaling and writing, it was like letting go of some of these things and understanding, you know, this is not normal. <laughs> how we, um, how we talk, how we engage, how we, how I discipline, um, how I, whatever it was like, okay step back for a second is is this helping is this helping your children is this yeah. and I, I always have to unpack that and say okay did I carry this with me or is this actually something I believe because a totally. lot of stuff that I have from the jail is stuff that I've just picked up and mm -hmm. I haven't been able to drop um but I I know that there are good things that came from it at the same yeah. time right like exactly and I'm the same way like with my daughter like I'm just like, she's lucky if she's allowed like out of the house because a lot of times I'm like, do you know what's out there? Like rapists, uh, pedophiles, uh, all that stuff. So a lot of it is, yeah, letting that stuff go. And yeah, yeah I've had friends like who, who say to me, what do you think about your kid doing this thing? And I'm like, don't ask, like you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> like if you want to hear like the doom and the gloom, right. ask me. But if, if you want like a real, like ask a different mommy group, cause I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the person for your mommy group, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I have a tainted perception of things based on the experiences that I bring with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so true. And I guess we, we only really talked about the one thing we wish we knew like about the mental health, but that's like, it's huge. Right. And it's, mm -hmm. it is getting better now, but I remember an officer was injured at work and I remember them telling me like, it feels like I'm sitting on the sidelines now. Like no one's talking to me anymore. Like the, the core group of people, like nobody was reaching out and checking in and, and make it like, it's like you're on this injury list. All the right. players are playing the game. Right. So that's uh, I remember that feeling and thinking I have to do better. Right? I'll just add this to the list of things I have to do better at. Right? Is that reaching out because that person is that person was physically injured too? So yes. Then we were like, oh great, another hole in the roster. That's exactly right. That <laughs> and that is the shittiest part, right? Like I, yeah. I I remember when I called in and I was not well. I remember thinking they're all going to talk about me. They're all going to like. I, the weakness came from knowing that people knew that I was sick or that something was going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, physically injured, morally injured, psychologically injured, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like 
if I showed up to work with uh, my arm severed, you guys would be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, You're no, no help kidding. to us, right? And <laughs> with a, but I'm also no help to you with an operational stress injury or a psychological, whatever. Totally. I'm no help. But because they're not visible, they're so stigmatized, right? And it's mm. like, oh, great. She's, oh, fuck. Like, ooh, she was in one incident. Now she's I know. Or like some of the people I remember, like they weren't even in an incident and they just like had heard about it and were... I, I guess triggered to other yes, things that yeah. had happened. And I remember even myself and I'm, it's not a great thing to admit, but thinking what you weren't even fucking there, <laughs> like grow a pair and suck it up. Right. And but then, that's how we were oh. trained, right. To be like, <laughs> that's over next. Right. Next, like, yeah. yeah, it was, um, what are they? Um, oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of the term that they call that. Um, I don't even know. There it's was a trauma. A it's a trauma. It's a, like, if your partner is traumatized, then you carry it over. What is mm-hmm. it called? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I know what you mean, though, but it's yeah. like, I remember thinking that in the beginning with some of the newer people, like the rookies, like, like a huge eye roll and thinking, the fuck, right? But then... <laughs> calming down like thinking okay every like that impacts everybody differently their perception of things Mm -hmm. uh impacts people differently even in my home like uh we there's four of us like i've got three brothers we all come from uh you know an abusive household and we all deal with that differently our perception of what happened right? Thinking I'm not either I'm never going to be like that because I watched my dad and then having another person struggle with something because I watched my dad. You know what I mean? It's the perception of things. And so I actually saw a really good speaker one time who talked about like their dad being a drug addict and the two boys, the one was like super, the the speaker was like super successful, but his brother was a drug addict, right? So it's like you either take that and do good or you take that and do something else, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's called vicarious trauma. Oh, Sharon, I knew I was gonna. <laughs> it's good. driving me nuts. <laughs> that's true. The perception of like, and I remember being a part of incidents where I wasn't actually like physically handling people, but thinking in my head, "This is gonna go bad. Like, this mm-hmm. is gonna go." And the and the movie that played out in my head wasn't necessarily the incident but it was mm-hmm. like this is what could have happened yeah, that's right. it, you know so you always um you're always giving it this extra you're always totally and you're always thinking more than <laughs> you should be right like but we what if everything do you remember oh, we would yeah. sit in the bubble and be like okay what would we do if this happened what would yeah. we do if this happened what if mm-hmm. this ha-? and we would play out all these scenarios and i'm thinking now like why like why? I, I mean what for yeah we we had the option to be prepared, but I mean, I don't remember a single incident where I thought, oh yeah, we're ready for this, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Or, like- or that's, I didn't think it would go that way. Like there's always something in your scenario that, you know, like a lot of times toward the end there and it may, would be bashing their head into the wall and you're just like, oh, and all of our what ifs, that was never, nobody right. had head bashing in the... <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, this is new. Add that into the add that into the next round into of the scenarios. Yeah. Into the next round of scenarios. Well, and I I remember I I watched that inmate bite off her nipple. Yeah. And it was Nasty. like I I was teaching a, a workshop and we were talking about like crazy shit that you've seen and I I mentioned that and people were like, "What?" And I'm like, "Well, wrong crowd." Yeah, you're like <laughs> Okay, let me dial this back a minute. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking, well, now what? I've never had to deal with this before. I've yes. never had someone bite off their nipple before. <laughs> so you you will never be fully prepared never. for no. what's about to come. But I mean, we tried really hard. And mm-hmm. I think that mentality of always thinking forward creates so much chaos in your life. Because totally. you, you don't get to ever be present. Well, that, and, and that's, that's where the anxiety comes in, right? And yeah. you're, you're preparing for the worst. And uh, like, uh, so there's sometimes I still uh, do that now. So I've, you know, I love traveling and I always, I have that pre 
uh, trip anxiety. Like, so I work myself up into a stupor before I leave the house to the airport. So sometimes I'm puking and uh, sometimes I'm, you know, freaking out inside. But the minute I clear security, it's gone. So I've worked something up and right. it's like, I don't have the fear of the plane going down or dying or it's not, I don't, I can't even pinpoint what that is. So I, I finally went to, well, I got a pill, a magic little pill that helps, but also <laughs> I also went to acupuncture and she, she's like, I'm going to put the needle right in your head, your forehead. And it, it's so helpful because it is, that's, it's like, it's my mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, and even I took some of that with me to Bowdoin. I've talked about my first incident there, but there was another incident where the two inmates were fighting and they just break it up when the guards get there and they walk themselves down to the sag or the hole or the digger. And I remember walking along with the, the two uh, male officers and standing, waiting. Uh, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, go write your, you know, your report. And I said, is that it? They said, yeah, like he's locked up. He's good. I said, that's it. There's no, because at AIFW, if they were in a fight, you take them like to SAG or the hole or the, whatever you want to call it. And it, it never, it doesn't stop. 20 hours yeah. later, they've done like they're slashing or they're yeah. bashing their head into the wall or there is something happening. So like you've or dealt they're with telling your, on someone else or they're yeah. yelling at each other things, yeah. and we're documenting what you're document and it's still going and then they've threatened themselves. So now they're on 24 hour <laughs> suicide watch. And that's like, I was telling one of the guys that, and he was like, that is like never happened here. And I said, well, so you've dealt with the one incident and you've gone on to the second incident and in your shift, that one thing is can sometimes turn into five different things. And then you're like, can I just go home now? Like, I want to leave. Right? I want to sever the ties right now so that I'm not involved in the sixth, seventh, and eighth thing. That's exactly what you do. You're like, yeah. no, my reports are done and you I know. have to run. I, I have to go. Like, that's, yeah, the writer in, like ended their involvement. That's when it was, because you have to go because you could be there forever. And yeah. I don't know why emotions, right? That's what yeah. I think. I don't, I don't know why, but yeah. So, and a lot of those people come from, um, and we've talked about this before, lots of trauma, right? So it's, it's that connection. They're looking for just someone to connect with them. They don't care if it's positive. They don't care if it's negative. They just want usually someone to talk to them. It doesn't matter if it's yelling or talking or screaming they just need that like additional connection in that moment right like uh jody harrington always says that if you say to a kid like oh you're seeking attention you change it and say i'm they're seeking connection right and you the way you think about it is very different and i mean i when jody harrington said that i thought okay that's what the inmates do that's exactly yeah, what the inmates that's do that's right they're looking and women more than men right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we seek it more than, um, than males do. So it, it's interesting to me now that I know all this information and I can relate it to what I went through back then, but we, we didn't know that, right? We were no, just like, you're just a jerk, just fucking trying to make our lives a living I hell. know. You're like, you yeah. piece of shit. Like, what the fuck? And then it changed for me at Bowdoin because it was like, they, like you recognize, they want to punch each other. So they've done that and it's done. For them, yes. they don't, and I'm not saying like some of them do have that trauma as well, but they've yes. gotten rid of it because they punched each other. Whereas yes. like some of the female in, inmates, they're not, it doesn't end there. It never, no. it never ended there. Right. Mm -mm. But think about like a caddy fight you've been in as a, as a woman, right. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't end. There's always like no. the next. <laughs> and or I, the I'm, grudge. Or the grudge or the, the grudge. like, or the like getting all the other friends against them, you know, like there's, this is, it's crazy. But when you think about it and put that into an institutional setting, mm -hmm. oh man, the, the possibilities like mean, are endless. It's like mean girls, the inmate version, right? right? Yeah, totally. But I mean, and I think about it too, like we worked mainly with females, right? All 95% mm -hmm. of our staff were women. Yeah. And that is officers and men, everything. Everything, yeah. And then you have all women inmates. That's like horrible. 
Yeah. I, and I remember like, sometimes it would be like, I would rather deal with an inmate than some of these staff today. This I, know. I, would ra- I would rather deal with their issues than whatever <laughs> this person's talking That's about so at the front desk. I don't even care. I gotta go. I gotta walk <laughs> away because I can't take on their shit, my shit, and your shit. <laughs> you and I are done. You and I are done for today. <laughs> oh my God. I never wanted to be that person, but I always just felt like I have my own shit. I, I know. Can't. Or like you'd be rolling your eyes and thinking, that's bugging you like fuck like i i'm with you like i gotta go to the max unit and deal with like real issues so why don't you go fuck yourself actually like <laughs> i don't have time and it's not it's not good at all but i Karen, recognize I have, it now. A, I have a question though i'm gonna i'm gonna text summer later because i think the swear jar might be full <laughs> <laughs> yesterday Lauren and I talked on the and then my daughter Summer came and sat beside me when I was talking and I may I I don't even think I noticed and then she didn't say a word and I got off the phone and she said mom you owe ten dollars to the swear jar she's like you know how many times you said a-hole and I said uh I'll put some money in there don't worry you're lucky she's not home because I I I think the swearing today is, is I know. substantial. I, it's I love, I love clicking explicit though. When I, I know <laughs> it's like, it's oops, sorry, mom. Right. <laughs> oh man. And, and our moms listen to that. I told my mom actually texted me today or called me today and was like, Ooh, she's like, you shouldn't have said that thing about, and I'm like, okay, mom, whatever. Like I said something in a podcast and she was offended. I said, wait till you hear the next one. Sherry talks about <laughs> Sharon and I, I have to remember our mom's I know. listen to this. Well, and my mom, I she says, "How do I listen to it?" And I said, "Oh, mom, you you can't. You don't. You need an apple, or I make something up, right?" Like yeah. I don't swear. I don't swear, mom. Trust me. Oh, we used man. to get in trouble as kids for saying this sucks or yes. shut up. Right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, I always love those memes that are like you know, your best friends are the ones that swear or that your realist friend is the one who says fuck all the time. I'm like, oh, that's tr- it's true. That's me. It's me. It's me. Uh, okay. So the three things we wish we knew, I would say like, I, I don't even know if we said three, but I mean like, yeah. Coping, I don't think we said three. Coping strategies, resources. It's all like around mental health. Like I, I would say that all of my, everything I wish I knew was that um, mm-hmm. take care of yourself. That's probably the number one thing because the, it will, it will eat you if you let it. Mm-hmm. And if you are right, already be on that point where you're like, and this is, this is crazy. And I, I, I got the timer everybody. So we don't have much more time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when you're in it, you don't know you're in it. So it's very no. helpful to pay attention to what other people are saying to you. Hey, you seem down. Hey, mm-hmm. you don't seem like yourself. Are you okay? Pay it because I remember when I was going through my stuff, I would like people that would say that to me, I would just like snap on them and mm-hmm. be like, you don't know shit about me. But yeah. as I started to like get more sleep, mine was very much sleep de- deprivation. Started to get more sleep. I started to like pay attention and be aware that like, okay, yeah, something is going on for me. Or who's, yeah. And who's saying it. And yes. like, I, I'm, I'm so um, blessed to have a best friend who's not in the service. And she is like my person, my backbone. And she could just look at me and say, okay. And for me, I don't exhibit, uh, I don't know, like this, these big uh, buzzers. I sort of like more, go into myself like I retreat into myself and nobody's allowed in or near me and so it's some of that stuff to pull me out of that or to pull me out of my head and to say you're so quiet or you're hard you're hardened right yeah people would say that to me like yeah you're so negative you're so yeah you're so um like jaded yeah you're hard you're you're not the Lauren I remember yeah and I remember thinking yeah, no shit. I'm not the Lauren you remember. Do you know what I've been through in the I last? Know. Right. Like, but then I would, I'd have to always like step back and it did take a long, like, um, a long time for me to realize, okay, something else is going on here and I need to fix it. Or my marriage is in trouble. My children's yeah. lives are in trouble. Um, I have to find a way to, and 
lots of times it's related to your purpose, right? Like we, mm -hmm. I always say this, like if, if I'm dealing with a first responder, I'm like, do you know what your purpose in life is? And I That's know my right. purpose has always been to like help women navigate hard times. And I, you know, I did it in corrections, but then that's not what I was doing. So I got derailed. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I was helping women navigate hard times. I felt like I was just there to control everybody. Yeah. And, to appease and yeah. all that stuff. So I, I mean, focus on that, focus on uh, mental health, pay attention to yourself, listen to what other people have to say. And, um, I don't, I don't know what, we had lots of things written down and we just kind of went off on a little. We went off on one. So, I mean, it's more to talk about next time. So absolutely. It, it, there's always, uh, stuff to talk about. And, uh, Lauren has mentioned some resources. So, and you know, you guys just reach out to us. Like we're always absolutely. available, uh, DM us uh, on Instagram, follow us there or, text us like we're open to whatever and we can direct you to tons of resources yeah. and uh, help you if you're questioning uh, your anything really yeah yeah absolutely or if you're just like hey I'm thinking about getting into corrections ah oh, well I can tell you what that text message we can <laughs> yeah we can we can talk about that too yeah there's, there's so many people out there that are, are going through similar things and are struggling to unpack some of the the you know, experiences that they've had. And it is possible. Uh, Sharon and I have done it over the last, since we've left corrections. I know we didn't mm -hmm. do it while we were at work, but we've done a lot of this work since we've left. Mm -hmm. And by all means, we're not experts or, well, no. we're, I would say we are. Actually, yeah. I would say we are. We're pretty good at this. <laughs> we're pretty good at um, helping ourselves. So I mean, that experience can trickle over and we've done a lot of work in this area. So um, for sure. Okay, thanks. then we'll, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. And if you have a second, we would love a review. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns. And if you happen to know anyone else that would be interested in tuning in, please share this podcast with them. We greatly appreciate it. Love, Lauren and Sharon.